Hello, and welcome to the Highly Spirited Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie McNew. I love all things boozy and boozy. So this is a show where I bring you some spirit or cocktail history and a ghost or folklore or something supernatural-esque story. So let's get ready to get lit and get scared. Hey, hi, hello, everybody. I hope you're enjoying your October so far. I hope you've explored some spooky places or visited some haunted houses. I have some haunted cemeteries for you today. A few are from my home state of Indiana and some others are from all over. But before I get into those, let's get into a cocktail. I definitely believe that apple is the superior fall flavor over pumpkin. I'm not a pumpkin spice hater. I, It's fine. Go like what you like. I just prefer apple more, which got me thinking about apple cocktails. A few weeks ago, I had an amazing apple butter old fashioned from Oakley Brothers Distillery in Anderson, Indiana, but I've deep dived into the history of the old fashioned before. That was episode one, if you haven't listened to it yet. (laughs) So I thought, why not jump into the history of the apple martini? Granted, I'm not a huge martini fan, but they are a classic cocktail. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, apple martinis or more affectionately, the apple teeny, were having a moment of their own. And this was way before I even thought about being allowed to drink, but seeing them on TV and in pop culture, I definitely thought this was the quintessential grown-up lady drink. I wanted to be a lady that drank apple martinis and walked around in heels all day. But how and why did they get so popular in that time in history? According to an article on traveldistilled.com, the apple teeny was created by bartender Adam Karsten in 1997 while he was working at a bar called Lola's on Fairfax in Los Angeles. Apparently, the bar had an excess of Kettle One and apple schnapps, so he threw them together, garnished it with a lemon-soaked Granny Smith apple slice, and called it the Adam's Apple Martini. The cocktail took off and the bar ended up not only running out of the kettle one and apple schnapps that they were desperately trying to sell before, they ended up having to order more. (laughs) There was a previous apple teeny recipe in a Smirnoff ad in Playboy from the 1970s, but it only called for adding Smirnoff vodka to apple juice. Ew. Karsten's recipe classed it up a little and added some interesting flavor by using apple schnapps instead of just apple juice. Here's how to make one for yourself. This is the Lola's Adam Apple Martini recipe. It is two ounces of DeKuyper's Sour Apple Pucker Schnapps, two ounces of Kettle One Vodka. You're gonna shake those and then strain them into a chilled martini glass and garnish with that lemon-soaked apple slice. It's so simple. It's literally like three ingredients. So easy peasy. There are recipes out there that include triple sec, but this is the original from Lola's. According to an article on eater.com, the apple teeny exploded almost overnight in LA, then throughout California. The Jolly Rancher Green Cocktail gained national attention when liquor sales reps realized this little drink was the reason they were moving so much more to Kuiper Apple Pucker. This drink being found in high-end bars also found its way into pop culture being featured on such shows like Sex and the City. This drink was incredibly sweet though, and it has since fallen out of fashion with people becoming a bit more health conscious and moving away from artificial flavors. It, it makes sense to me though, because why would I drink three super sweet drinks bound to make me throw up when I could drink three neat pours of bourbon or three glasses of wine, no artificial flavors, and not throw up from like the excess of sugar and not like feel bad about the calories. I totally get why these aren't out of are, are out of fashion right now because we're all afraid of sugar. <laughs> but it, it had its moment. Like that thing had a heyday. 
And maybe it'll have a resurgence someday when we all stop like hating sugar again. I'm sure it will revive. Like 90s fashion is coming back when these kids turn 21 in like eight years. They'll probably they'll probably like these. So I, I see it coming back. I give it like a decade. We'll see the Apple teeny in fashion again. <laughs> Until then, I'm going to take a quick break and we will be right back with some haunted cemeteries. What's up, fans and friends of the Highly Spirited Podcast? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest. You might know me from my career in the distilled spirits industry. You might also know that McNew and I have been friends for several years now. I'm a huge fan of the Highly Spirited Podcast, and I know you guys are too. I suspect you might also be interested in what I'm doing over at If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. If you're interested in the 14, cryptids, the unexplained, high strangeness, ghosts, and more, then check out our podcast wherever you get yours. Apple, Google, Spotify, and Anchor. We're available on pretty much every major platform. And be on the lookout because I think that McNew and I, we got a little side project coming up that we think you'll really enjoy. Check it out. Our first haunted cemetery is the Witch's Circle out of Daleville, Indiana, and I will cover more on this one on the Halloween crossover episode with If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything podcast, but for now, the Witch's Circle is also known as Sharp Cemetery. It gained the local nickname Witch's Circle because legend has it witches used to practice black magic here. Of course, we know not all witches are evil, but in a small town like this, seeing a group of women in a cemetery doing any kind of ritual, the people are going to assume it's satanic in nature. It's just how small towns work here. Besides being known as the Witch's Circle, it's also said to be haunted by a lady in white and an old man who used to live on a, on a nearby property. This place is really creepy. It's in the middle of nowhere behind some fields and a clearing surrounded by trees. It truly is a creepy place, not just creepy in the way any old cemetery would be creepy, but creepy in a silent kind of way. Like silence is no birds flying overhead or nesting in the trees and no little creatures hiding in the overgrown grass or back in the forest. It's just dead silence. And I am a firm believer and if animals don't go there, we probably shouldn't go either. <laughs> they have better senses than we do. Definitely a place to avoid, but if it gets your curiosity, I've been there and survived probably be fine but it's definitely eerie next up on the cemetery list is one located fairly close to me in hancock county and that is hayes cemetery in wilkinson indiana it really looks like your run-of-the-mill old-timey pioneer cemetery but it has an eerie silence much like the witch's circle and some gnarly looking twisted trees as well it also carries the rumor that the bodies used to be dug up to practice satanic rituals Man, that satanic panic in the 80s really had like a chokehold on rural people. Like <laughs> everything was satanic. But the main rumor this cemetery has is that a devil child is buried there and a pitchfork shaped plant grows out of its headstone. Even when it's cut back, it grows back in the pitchfork form. People have also reported their cars stalling out or dying here, even in broad daylight and even if there were relatively new cars. Halfway between Brazil and Terre Haute, Indiana, lies Cloverland Cemetery in Clay County, also known as the 100 Steps Cemetery. The lore says if you count going up the stairs, you will count 100 steps. 
and when you turn around to come down, you will count a different number, usually slightly less than 100. That's creepy and mind-boggling enough on its own, but the cemetery has an even more sinister story to tell as well. Another legend says if you climb the steps to the top, counting 100 of them, at night, upon reaching the top, the ghost of the first caretaker will appear before you and show you a vision of how you will die. After seeing the vision, descend the steps counting again. At the bottom, if the number of steps is the same as the way up, then the vision was wrong, and that is not how you will die. If there is a mismatch and the numbers are off, the visitor will die in the manner revealed by the ghostly caretaker. Which is terrifying because we can assume the number is going to be wrong. It's it's always been wrong. Continuing with the legend, if seeing a ghost predict, predict your death freaks you out too much and you decide just to run off another direction instead of going back down the steps and counting them, you done messed up. You're not getting out of this. If you choose to run off, the hand of the caretaker will push you down, leaving a handprint that lasts for a few days. All the way around, no matter what you choose to do, this place is really creepy as hell. Like, you're either going to find out how you die, or you're not, or the thing's going to push you because fuck you for running. <laughs> Let's head all the way over to Terre Haute for a more endearing ghost story that takes place in Highland Lawn Cemetery. A man named John Heinel's final resting place is there in his family mausoleum. He passed away in 1920. During life, John had a beloved bulldog named Stiffy Green, named for the stiff, odd way he walked in his brilliant green eyes. John was this little bulldog's best friend, and I truly believe dogs can feel feelings just as much, if not more, than humans do. This dog loved John just as much. When John passed away, Stiffy Green was devastated. Although he was entrusted to very good friends of John's and would have been well cared for and loved, Stiffy Green just kept escaping to go lay by his owner's crypt every day and night. They'd come back to get him and he'd find a new way to escape. Stiffy Green was determined to be reunited with John Heinel. His new family finally gave up and just let him have his and just let him have his way. The caretakers at the cemetery tried to offer the little dog food and water, but he had no interest. He, he just patiently waited by the entrance of his previous owner's tomb. Within a short few weeks, Stiffy Green passed away. One night, a cemetery worker was leaving and heard the barks of a dog coming from the direction of the mausoleum, but it couldn't be. Stiffy Green had passed away. He went back to the mausoleum to take a look around anyway and saw nothing. When he turned to walk away again, he saw an apparition of an old man smoking a pipe, walking beside a stiff-legged bulldog with a wagging happy tail and glowing green eyes. Since the 1920s, many residents and visitors of Terre Haute have reported seeing the two happily strolling together in their afterlife. Aww. Stiffy Green's such a cute story. I love that one. Hope Oakley comes back and walks with me when we die. <laughs> Another cemetery in Indiana with its own haunt is Bass Lake Cemetery in Batesville. There is one headstone here that has the photo of its deceased owner on it. The normally green grass around this tombstone is said to turn blood red at night. And if that isn't creepy enough, the photo of the man is said to change too. But only if you hold a match up to it. It's said when a match is held up in front of this photo, the face of the man begins laughing, then it starts morphing and ends up looking like the devil laughing. It turns right back to normal when the match goes out. And this does not work with a flashlight or cell phone light. It has to be a match. Batesville is also home to St. Louis Catholic Cemetery, where it is believed a witch is buried. She was actually a Native American, but people believed she was a witch. Her headstone has a door on top of it, and there is iron all around the gravesite in order to keep her buried. 
but those efforts were to no avail, as it said she gets up and roams the cemetery at night. The next cemetery I want to talk about is in Chicago, and that is Graceland Cemetery. If you listened to the Haunted Chicago episode from this past summer, you might remember me mentioning a gravesite of a little girl named Inez Clark, whose statue would disappear when it was storming, then mysteriously reappear in its glass case once the weather cleared. She is odd for sure, but not entirely off-putting and scary, just an oddity, but Graceland Cemetery has a creepier gravesite calling it home as well. The Statue of Eternal Silence is the tombstone of Dexter Graves. Dexter Graves led a group of 13 families from Ohio to settle in Chicago in 1831. He died in 1844, which was way before Graceland Cemetery was created. Graves was originally interred in City Cemetery, which if you remember, many of the bodies were moved to create the now Lincoln Park. <laughs> so he got moved. But in 1907, Graves' son, Henry, passed away, and in his will, he left $250,000 to create a statue for his father's memorial in Graceland. Can you even imagine $250,000 in 1907 money? That's bonkers. And for a statue. Okay, you love your dad. Maybe maybe I would do it too if I had that kind of money. <laughs> it's astronomical though. Like I can't even do the math on that. Henry Graves' will also left 40000 for a statue of his favorite racehorse to be erected in Washington Park. There was a statue drafted of Ike the horse, but it was never actually created or placed. The statue for his father, though, was created and erected. The design for his father's statue includes a grim reaper-looking figure made of bronze against a black granite base. The black should have made the bronze stand out and shine, but bronze oxidizes and turns green and dull over time. The statue features a very chiseled face with deep eyes beneath a hooded draping robe. Cemetery workers used to take care to polish and clean the statue so it would have the original bronze patina, but the public complained and insisted it looked better with its weathered green color. Besides just being very tall and looking intimidating, it's said that if one were to look directly into the eyes of the statue, they would see their own death play out. And I am going to... Uh, post a picture of this because it is a very foreboding statue it's very it's tall it's large it's it is very creepy I don't think I would actually look at it it freaks me out just looking at it on the internet also calling Graceland home is a tomb that maybe isn't haunted per se but it's definitely interesting and that is the tomb of Ludwig Wolf spelled w-o-l-f-f while still among the living, it's said that Ludwig was terrified of being buried alive, so his tomb actually includes a ventilation system, complete with bells and whistles to prevent this from happening. Also during life, he owned a pet wolfhound that many claim to see pacing around his tomb on nights of the full moon. People have also reported coyotes here, though, so people are skeptical about thinking that's like a ghost dog. <laughs> Who knows, though? I'm going to wrap this up with three more short stories on cemeteries that all have hill in their name, and that's really all they have in common. <laughs> Circle Hill Cemetery is located in Angola, Indiana, off Interstate 69. People have reported seeing figures in black hooded cloaks with no explanation as to what or who these cloaked figures are. They simply reported just seeing these figures instilled enough fear in them to leave and not come back. So they just said these things were creepy as hell. We are getting the hell out and not looking further into this. <laughs> Crown Hill Cemetery in Indianapolis is 500 plus acres and is absolutely gorgeous. Did you know that cemeteries were our first national parks? They were. And like people used to go like have picnics with their dead relatives. I honestly think we should bring that back. I think that sounds lovely. 
I would like to have a picnic at a cemetery. My husband thinks it's weird. He won't go with me. If any of you guys are listening and want to have a cemetery picnic, let me know. I am down. <laughs> but this cemetery, Crown Hill, it definitely feels like a park. It looks like a park. It has big trees and flowers. It's gorgeous. Former President Benjamin Harrison is buried here, as well as infamous gangster John Dillinger. And I visited Dillinger's grave, and it's not that impressive. It's, it's tiny, it's small, but I find it funny that visitors leave bullet casings there. Besides having some of Indiana's most famous residents interred there, it's said that at night, the specter of a woman holding a baby roams around the cemetery looking for her way home. And no one's identified who she is. She's from the older, like, pioneer part. So some lady lost in the afterlife over there. Cave Hill Cemetery in Louisville, Kentucky also feels and looks very park-like. It's beautiful and many bourbon barons are buried here as well as Colonel Sanders of KFC fame and Muhammad Ali. As peaceful as Cave Hill seems, it also has many children buried there because of past diseases and outbreaks. It's said to be haunted by a woman who seems not to mind anyone but looks after the ghosts of the children that can sometimes be heard running and playing through Cave Hill. That one's so sweet. Cave Hill is gorgeous. Uh, Phil Collin took Justine and I on a tour through there once. Absolutely recommend checking that out if you have some free time in Louisville. That is all I have for today, guys. Give us a like and follow on Instagram. Leave a review if you don't mind. That does help other people find me. And keep it spooky. Bye.